Well, good morning to you. You've chosen to be inside or it's a little cooler than outside. Good choice this morning. Glad that you're here. Well, 10 years ago, my family and I moved up here, called by the Lord to uh, be a part of Twin Cities Church in this community. Uh, before that time, I spent a lot of years as a youth pastor in Southern California in the Los Angeles area. And there was a particular um, guy, I'm going to call him Pete, uh, just in case he listens to this broadcast <laughs> online or something like that. But uh, he was a high school student, um, really loved the Lord, but a typical teenager in the extent that he, life kind of, he thought, revolved around him. And uh, it was a junior or so at the time, 11th grade, you know, 16, 17 years old. And he had a sister, but he's the only son. And I think the parents kind of doted on their son. And so life seemed to really be all about him in a, in a lot of ways. And I remember the first time I went over to his house and I met his, I had met his parents before, but I met his parents at his house. We played volleyball over there and stuff. He was a volleyball player. And his parents, just both his mom and his dad, absolutely overwhelmed me with their hospitality. Not just their welcome so much and the handshakes and hugs, but also here, eat this and drink that and drink this and drink that and take a break from your volleyball and eat and drink some more, you know, kind of thing. And just like made me feel guilty if I didn't, you know. And so I was just amazed, just gracious people, tons of hospitality. I thought, man, that's just amazing, you know, almost, you know, almost over the top, but really gracious people. Well, I remember another time then, uh, uh, you know, a month or so later, gathering with a couple of guys to play some, you know, play some volleyball over there, and his parents weren't home at the time, and I'm the youth pastor there, coming over, cruising there to his house, to Pete's house, and, and Pete invites us in, and previ- previously pretty self-absorbed, I mean, he loved the Lord, but, you know, kind of life is about me, Pete turned into his parents, and all of a sudden, I was having drink and food and juice just thrust upon me, and you've got to, and I was like, what is going on? This is not the Pete that I see out in the world who, who loves the Lord and is growing to be more like Jesus, but all of a sudden, this huge hospitality thing came out, and I thought, this isn't natural gifts in this guy, because I don't see it out in the world, but at home, he's just like mom and dad. Where did he get that? Got that from his parents, didn't he? We see this great example of a parent's behavior uh, really impacting uh, their children in a huge way, and I'll, I'll never forget that. Now, today we're continuing our series on the family, and, 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 ha- and as has been the case almost every week, the things that we'll be talking about go really far beyond specific application to the family. Yesterday we'll be talking about some issues that deal very significantly with parenting, but we're not speaking only to parents here. As you may say, I'm not one. I'm not a parent, you know. So if you, but if you're a person who cares about God, then today is for you. If you're a person who realizes that the things that you think and say and do affect other people, all other people, then today is for you. If you want to discover how to be the best model, the best imitator of Jesus possible, whether you're a parent or not, then today is for you. Now, if you are a parent, today is especially for you, as God has made you to be incredibly influential in the lives of your children. So we're going to do some specific applications towards parenting and some thrust there. But again, if you're not a parent, again, don't tune out on, it. Don't tune out on me here. I want to read a quote to you from one of the leading parental study organizations here in the U.S. I ran across it this week. It says, there is no shortage of negative role models for our children in today's society. True, huh? Children and adolescents imitate the actions and appearance of video, movie, television stars. However, today's media is not promoting family values and modeling pro-social behavior for children, certainly from a Christian perspective. Many parents would cringe to think their daughters would want to imitate some of today's trendy appearances and behaviors, yet that's what's happening. 
While children do indeed look to the media for role models, it says, parents, and this is a study, still have a tremendous amount of influence on their children, even today in 2013. To increase, to increase their influence, this, this, this group says, parents need to limit the amount of time kids spend watching television and videos and increase the time children spend with them, with the parents. <laughs> if parents, this is kind of a duh, but if parents spend time with them, um, children are more likely to imitate parents then. Children are more likely to imitate parents if parents spend time with them. <laughs> no kidding, right? In addition, parents should try to be very intentional about what they role model for their children. And, you know, I think back to when my kids were young, how easy it was to kind of want to, like, oh, put them in front of TV for a little bit because it's easier and we can get dinner ready, but it's a lot of times easier. I'm not so sure it's better, is it? And so the more time you spend with your kids, the more they can imitate you and the more modeling that happens. And so time is a key quotient. Now, even today in 2013, parents are the primary role model for children, even into the teenage years. Study after study shows that. So things are changing, but they aren't in a sense. So parents, we're listening to that. Those of you that are parents, stay engaged. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. We're going to stay in the first 12 verses of Deuteronomy 6. And again, they're printed on your outlines. They'll be on the screens as well. But if you have your Bible, you can turn there now. How to be a great model for your kids and everyone. Okay, I added that. This is a family series, but how to be a great role model for your kids and to everybody. So wherever you find yourself, this this is true. And we're going to start by saying, if you want to take notes, it's all about the all. It's all about the all. Probably a great grammatical sentence there. My wife, the English teacher, would catch me on that, but there we go. Our culture, I find, tends to put a lot of value in partial effort. You know, as long as you gave it a pretty good shot, that's okay. You know, you kind of did your best a little bit here or there, but the kingdom of God sees things very differently. God says he wants your all, and he wants it all the time. (laughs) It's all about the all. He wants your all, and he wants it all the time. Uh, it's that, you know, we hear about that concept that we hear but don't always practice ourselves. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing. There we go. I hear right and well, you know, it's worth doing your best. And so we hear that concept. I'm not quite so sure we always practice that, do we, right? Well, as we look at Deuteronomy 6, we see this concept of all, the all and all, in verse after verse. So I wanted to highlight the idea of being sold out, fully sold out, fully devoted right from the start because we're going to see it in verse after verse and principle after principle. We're starting right there. It's all about the L. One more thing I want to point out, big picture before we dive into the details, that there's four principles that we're going to pull out of these 12 verses and all four of them are important to God. They all work together and we can't leave one out and still see the heart of God, Okay. So when we look at each of the four, please remember that it's only one part of the equation, okay? They all work together in an important way. So you don't get to kind of pick one here and one there. It's kind of this is the whole ball of wax that we're going to take here. Well, let's see the first all right now as we, as we look at how to be a great model for your kids and others, okay? First of all, God's call is to follow all of God's commands, to follow all of God's commands, Now, this isn't about being legalistic here, about putting the rules before your relationship with God, but God is definitely definitely emphasizing the importance of taking him and his laws seriously. 
Okay, it starts right here. These four that we're going to cover, we're going to take them, obviously, in the order they appear in Deuteronomy 6. They work together, like I said, but let's, let's start at verse 1. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1 says this. It says, These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Me is Moses. Moses is writing down again, writing laws to the nation of Israel. And he says, You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you will live. If you obey, what's it say? Oh, there it is. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Now, let's stop for a moment and do a brief Old Testament study here, okay? So some of you are going to like, this is cool. You can take some notes, left some space on the side around for that. But I want to set context here. Now, Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Old Testament. And the word Deuteronomy literally means second law, okay? Second law. That's what that word means. Now, God originally gave the law to Moses in the book of Leviticus, which is the third book of the Bible, after he rescued them from slavery in Egypt. If you remember the story, the the Egyptians that enslaved the nation of Israel, it got really big, and God, through the plagues and the miracles, led them out of Egypt. He rescues them. He's going to lead them into the land, the promised land, and he gives them before, and he said, this stuff is what really important means you become my people in the promised land, and in Leviticus, really is the first statement of the law, first time the Ten Commandments were written down in that book of Leviticus. Um, now, but because these are going to take the promised land, because of their lack of faith in God, God says, you don't get the land yet. You've got to wander for 40 years. A bunch of you have to die off, and we'll try again 40 years from now. So flash forward 40 years. The old folks are no longer with us. God's going to lead him into the land again. He says, I need to remind you the importance of the law. Let me tell it to you again. Second law, Deuteronomy. It's a second, much the same as Leviticus. Not entirely. There are some different differences there, but the law is restated, including, including the Ten Commandments that's there. So there's some of the history of where we're at in this second book of law. Now, if you spent time in Leviticus and or Deuteronomy, then you know that the laws stated are um, meticulous and detailed in every way. There are huge amounts of detail to follow about foods that are clean and unclean, about worship, about feasts, about holidays and celebrations, about law courts, about offerings, about relationships, (laughs) on and on. There are even instructions about the proper way to marry a woman you've captured during a time of war. Important things like that for today. You know, if you want to take some notes, you can turn through that. You can... (laughs) And you may say, but Pastor John, okay, we're talking law here. Aren't aren't all those things laws for the Old Testament that was for those people of those times before Jesus came? Because didn't Jesus come to set us free from the law? The Bible says that. Surely God doesn't demand that we follow all of those things today, does he? In fact, why are we in the book of Deuteronomy at all? Let's jump ahead to the New Testament and get to the good stuff. (laughs) Some of you may go, yeah. Well, yes, thankfully, Jesus did set us free from the law. (sighs) So exhale and breathe easy. But should we bother to read the Old Testament and study it? I believe absolutely so. Here's what makes the Old Testament incredibly valuable to study. There's three P's I want you to write down. The Old Testament reveals in in perfection. It reveals God's personality. There's nothing on the screen. Some of you are looking up. Just write it down. God's personality, God's promises, and principles. God's personality, promises, and principles. Those three things are incredibly important. Listen, the Bible says that God doesn't change. So if it tells us that God is a certain way in the Old Testament, is he still that way today? Yeah. Okay, it's not a trick question. God doesn't change if it says he's loving and compassionate however many thousands of years ago. Is he still loving and compassionate today? 
Yes, he is. If it says he's very, he's very jealous in, 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 terms of, in, in terms of who he loves and, and how he wants to be loved and stuff, is he still that way today? Yes. So when I see God's personality, so to speak, in the Old Testament, it's still true today. I can learn a lot. There's a lot of God revealed in the Old Testament, by the way. Now, his promises. God, tons of promises in the Old Testament. More promises in the Old Testament than the New Testament. The Bible says God's word is true. His promises never fail. They never fade. If you read a promise in the Old Testament, it's still true today. That's a beautiful thing. Because if I'm looking at the Old Testament and there's a promise God makes, it's true today. You can know that it's true for you today. Another beautiful thing to say, man, there is rich, rich, vast amounts of promises that God says, these are your promises for today. Because God doesn't change and God's word and his promises don't change. Now, third, the area is principles. Some of the things that have changed are the particulars, the specifics, some of the dietary laws and some of those sorts of things. Those were, and I won't go into much detail here, this is kind of an overview, but the reality is some of the specifics have changed and Jesus addressed that. But the principles are there for a reason. Now it's our job to do our studying and this is your job and we as a church can help you, but this is your job. I run across something in the Old Testament and say, does that apply in detail? today, what always will apply is a principle, okay? What is God trying to establish when he set, set out these dietary laws or when he set out these celebrations or even the relational things? What is God getting at here in principle that absolutely does carry today, even if the detail doesn't? Does that make some sense? So the reality is the principles of the Old Testament do carry through in a great way. Now, see if you're paying attention. Deuteronomy chapter 6 follows Deuteronomy chapter... Good five. First service barely got that one out. So <laughs> kudos to you. It's good for you. Deuteronomy 6 follows Deuteronomy. It wasn't a trick question. Chapter 5. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, you read the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. The second time the Ten Commandments. Remember, Leviticus was the first time. Ten Commandments reiterated. Pretty important to God. He says, hey, listen up right here. Now, Jesus himself affirmed the principles and even the details of the Ten Commandments. Okay? These aren't just detailed laws showing us how imperfect we are, how they're to live in some small way. These are commands that represent the very nature of God and his creation. Okay? They are principles that reflect God's personality. They reflect his personality, so they are a big deal even for us today in the post-New Testament era where we live today. Okay, these are important to God. Okay, I share all that because when we see in Deuteronomy 6 when he says, obey these laws, family, when God is speaking all of these laws all of the time, that's exactly what he's talking about because these laws reflect God's values and his character and as you live in honor of them, you model godly character to your kids and to those around you. Okay? to all those around you that see you. So that's an important thing to God. He says, follow the laws. Follow not just the ideas and principles, but follow the laws that reflect the nature and the heart of God. Okay? Now, the second way to be a great model for your kids and to everyone is, as a second all, is to love God with your all. To love God with your all. Now, right after, said, right after God says, obey the law, all of it, we just read that, he says, you will do this by loving me with your all. If you've been around Twin Cities Church for the last weeks, months, even several years, we've been more and more really talking about this concept of grace and that it isn't all about what you do by itself. What you do springs from who you are. And God is the one who gives us the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the desire to want to be different, and the power to do those things. So remember we said one thing doesn't exist by itself. It isn't just, okay, I've... I walk out here today, I've got to be more obedient, I've got to try harder. It's tied to loving God with your all 
Okay, all four things work together. Love and obedience are tied together in these first two points. Listen, you can't truly love God without being obedient. You can't truly love God without being obedient. And you can't be obedient from the heart unless you really love God. Those things aren't separate. They've got to work together. And that's true in God's kingdom and it's God's plan. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 6, we'll move to verse 4. We'll just continue where we were. Just two verses that are straight out, and you've heard these probably before. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Sound familiar? If it doesn't, you heard it for the first time right here, but this is, this is right here, and it's reiterated. Jesus even quotes these verses here. Pretty important. Now, parents, as you love God with your all, your kids will see that, and they will not only hear your words about how important that it is, you know, the words, the talking head, but they can actually follow your example because they see that. And remember, those of you that are not parents, <laughs> these concepts are true for all of us, so stay engaged here. As a follower of Jesus, you are a way bigger influence than you realize on the people around you, family, friends, acquaintances. I pulled up the whiteboard here because I could sit now and tell you, how do we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, all those things. But I'd like you to help me. What are some practical ways? What does God mean when he says, love God with, your, with, all, with all of your all? Give me some ideas. What's that? Surrender. Surrender. Awesome. Bunch of you threw a great bunch of them out, and all six of or eight of you all at the same time, so I didn't get it. Somebody else? <laughs> Raise your hand, how about? Obedience? Oh, interesting. We just talked about obedience, and I said, how do we love God with our all, and, and obedience is one of them. Somebody over here. First here? Service, and what did you say? Love him despite your circumstances. I'm going to put serving down. Serving. Um, trust, someone just said. I, I'm, I'm gonna, that's a good one. I'm going to leave it off just because it's long and I'm trying to just get single words and stuff, but that doesn't devalue what you said. Thank you. Forgiveness? Is that what I heard over here? Just. I love the shout it out thing, but when we're all at once, I don't get it. Did I hear faith? Faith, good. What about some practical ways? I mean, these are practical, but sometimes for me there's concepts like how do I, I mean, faith is good, but what does that look like today? So I like serving because I know I can serve. What, something else? What? Praising, worship. I'm going to put PW, praise and worship. Good. Hope, pray, prayer. What was that up here? Kindness. Okay, I'm going to stop. Good, good. I just wanted to start putting some ideas down. These are, now, an interesting thing, you, you know, how, how do we love God? How do we do these things? You know, we put them first with our time. We put them first with our giving, our finances, our resources, our focus, our obedience, and on and on and on. All these things are, now, interesting. Here's a list, and remember what I asked you to do. We're going to write down, how can I love God with my all? Right, how can I love God with my all? And this is some of the things we came up with. What if I were to ask you, what does God want us to do to be obedient? What does God want us to do? Would the list be very different? It'd be about the same, wouldn't it? But we came at it from a different slant. I didn't say, what is important to God that he wants us to do to be obedient? We said, 
we can love God, and how can we love God? And we came up with that same list. Isn't that pretty amazing? Your choice, folks, whether or not you want to go through day in life being worried about, I've got to do exactly what God wants me to do, or you can say, how can I love God? Because it gets you to the same place. Hmm, maybe that's the one reason why you came this morning, is there's a little bit of liberty in that for you. Now, um, <laughs> I think, thought about that myself, and I go, how do I model that at home, thinking it from the parent's perspective? And sure, by praying before meals, before we go to bed, we talk about God a fair amount here and there. And, but, you know, there's one big way is that I've told you, and I'll tell you again today, I'm very far from perfect, and so I sometimes am modeling the wrong things <laughs> and the bad things. But here's where I've made a decision somewhere in the past to turn that modeling a wrong thing into modeling a very good thing, is that I'll go to my kids and ask for their forgiveness. And I do that, <laughs> I was going to say, I do that a lot. That's, that doesn't make me look good. That really means I blow it a lot with them, okay? But I do that. I've gotten to the point where I, I can pretty easily, and generally fairly quickly, I'll go to my kids, and my kids range in age from 13 to 5. So right on down to my 5-year-old, my 8-year-old, whatever, come to them and say, hey, whichever that it is, you know, Zachary, Hannah, Caleb, whatever, Daddy blew it today or just now, you know, the whatever that went on. Would, would you forgive Daddy? I'm, I'm putting myself not only at their level, I'm kind of putting myself in a sense beneath them. I'm giving them power over me. And that's very unparental. Don't we parent by power? And I'm kind of turning the power over. But isn't that what God wants? Isn't that what Jesus wants? Isn't that modeling some beautiful things? What's my kid's usual response to that, honestly, even after all the times I've done it? Here's what they say. Oh, that's okay, Daddy. And you know what my response to that is? No, it's not. You know, they're almost like, this feels weird, Dad. You know, I want to let you off the hook, so to speak. You're the dad. You can do whatever you want. It's not okay. I want to model when I blow it, I'm going to come back and make it right. I'm going to ask forgiveness because I want them to do that. Ask them to do that, but I'm actually going to model that. And no, it's not okay. What Dad did was wrong. I made a bad choice or whatever, and we go through that and walk through that. So, yeah, I can turn even a bad example, a bad model into a good model when I treat it right. I'd encourage you to do that with your kids, parents, as weird as that may sound, to your friends, to your neighbors, to associates. By the way, it's easy to ask forgiveness from someone that you love and you admire greatly because, you know, that just feels great. It's hard to do that with someone who's maybe someone you don't like. I don't want to ask that person's forgiveness. (laughs) You know, they deserve what I did and more. You know, that's not the issue here. So I believe that's God's encouragement here in a way we can make some great choices and model it as well. Well, the third way to be a great model, thanks for the list, by the way, and um, appreciate that. Third way to be a great model to your kids and, and to everyone is to walk in him all the time. Walk in him all the time. Now, as the passage continues in Deuteronomy 6, it's almost like God tries to give us some practical ideas on how to actually do these things. You know, he says, I know this is tough for you because your eyes wander and your heart wanders, you know, and your attention strays. So immerse yourself in this all the time. Immerse yourself in all the time, not just on Sundays, not just in your community group, but all the time. And then how can we do that? And this all of a sudden, it gets super, to me, this is like the super practical section of of Deuteronomy 6. Let's continue picking up from verse 6. So God says, remember, he says, obedience, all obedience, all the time, love, all of you, all the time. And then he says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly, that's your whole heart, all, to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. (laughs) It's kind of everywhere, huh? When you're going to bed and when you're getting up, that's every time. Tie them to your hands and, and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
God's basically saying, do whatever it takes to remember, to teach, to model, to live and walk with God constantly. Don't lose focus here, right? It's too important. You got to stay on it. Repeat them again and again and again and again and again to your children because they need that, don't they? And you needed that too when you were a kid because they need to hear it 10,000 times to really get it. 10,001, anyone? <laughs> you know, because they need to get that. And, and haven't you found that to be true? You model it, you teach it all the time. At home, put it on your doorposts door or your walls, your gates, so you see it when you're, when you're there, when you're there and when you're coming and when you're going because seeing reminds us what's important to God. I see it and I do an, oh yeah. I do an, oh yeah. You know, the 21st century version might say something like, put it on your dashboard in your car, put it on your screensaver, your cell phone. (laughs) Set up texts and emails to come to you, reminding you of God's love and his commandments. Put it on your dog's collar if you've got a dog and you play with him a lot, you know? And on the front of your refrigerator (laughs) and inside of your refrigerator, right? So you just, you see it all the time. Listen to Christian radio. Wake up and go to bed with the Bible ringing in your head and your heart and a prayer on your lips. All the time, surround yourself, immerse yourself. If it helps, carry the reminders with you on your hand or your forehead. That's what these verses said. Put it there, put it right there so that it's in front of you, that it's there, that it's reminding you, that it immerses you. Gosh, it sounds awfully extreme. (laughs) Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes to keep it right in front of you, even if if it's extreme, because isn't it important enough to be extreme? You know, this may include like occasionally wearing a t-shirt that has a Christian saying or witness on it or something or a bumper sticker on your car. People will see it and maybe ask you about it. Oh yeah, I put the shirt on, I take it off, I see it, I see it in the mirror, I remind myself of those things that, you know, someone asks about your bumper sticker, it's the reminder, it's there, it's there, immerse yourself all the time living in Jesus, the importance of walking in Jesus all the time. How do I keep it in front of me? Because people are watching you all the time especially your kids, but people around you. Now, just two days ago on Friday, it's the last day of school, and I was picking up my younger kids at Deer Creek School. Actually, we had the olders with us, and kind of the end-of-the-year tradition where we just kind of gather, and thanks to the teachers and gifts and hugs and tears and all that stuff, having a special moment at Deer Creek School in Nevada City. And one of my kids, I won't say his name, Andrew, had a tennis ball that he got from Miss Mahaffey's class, taking it home to our dog, our lab, uh, Bailey. And I'm not looking at him, but he's three feet away, and he throws the ball and whacks me in the head with the tennis ball. I mean, just right there. I'm like, what? And he did it on purpose. You know, it wasn't like it fell out of his hand. What is that, you know? And, it, and, uh, and so, I, you know, I, I didn't blow up. I was miffed, and it hurt, but I handled it okay. And Andrew, Andrew kind of grabbed him. No, I kind of gently held him, and... Andrew, you know, that, that, that hurt, you know, what was, you know, I'm not sure what you're thinking, I'm, that wasn't the best choice on your part, we talked a little bit, okay, dad, sorry, you know, and, and a little, you know, forgiveness moment, right, and, and, and I didn't throw the ball back at him, so I was pretty proud, <laughs> and so I turn, and it's hot outside and stuff, and about 30 seconds later, a woman approaches me from the side, who had been watching the whole thing, from before the ball throwing, the whole incident, and she said to me this, she said, I was thinking about your artichoke story the whole time. Now, if you weren't here two weeks ago, I spoke, and one of the stories, illustration stories I used was about my daughter in an artichoke incident. Okay, that's all you really need to know. She was there, and then she saw Pastor John in real life and came up to me right after this happened and said, I was thinking about your artichoke story the whole time. (laughs) Friends, they are watching you as a follower of Jesus Christ to see how you handle real life, and not just us as pastors. Sure, in some sense, it's 
we might be a little more high profile up front of some of you with the things that we say. The reality is y'all have that. Y'all have that, and they are watching you all the time. Now, fortunately for me <laughs> and for the Lord, I guess she said she thought I handled it really well that day. You know, it was one of those few times when I didn't have to go ask forgiveness of Andrew or something like that. But I thought, man, isn't that amazing? I am out here just with my kids, have a little incident. I think it's right here, and yet there's, there's watching happening. And how can I immerse myself? You know, some of the ways that I help myself remember that I'm walking with Jesus is I might wear a bracelet a WWJD bracelet or a cross bracelet or wear a necklace, you know. I don't wear them all the time, so when I wear them, that kind of bothers me for a little while. What's this around my neck? Oh, yeah, it's a cross, and it reminds me. It reminds me. It's my, on my doorpost and my forehead. When I start getting used to it and I forget about it, I take it off. I'm not wearing one right now. So I just kind of go through phases. I'll put a verse up that's important to me or something that I'm working on, the Lord's working on my heart, and I'll put it up in my office as a screensaver next to my computer. I'll put it in the dashboard of my car, not on my windshield, (laughs) dashboard of my car. Put it at home, I'll see it. But you know what happens after one or two or three weeks? I stop seeing it because I see it and see it and it goes away. I take it down because I need something new and fresh. I'll put the thing on. What can I do to make it fresh and to make it real and to keep me here always? Something that bothers me, something that gets me in my way, that delights me, something that bugs me. It doesn't matter. It draws me to where I can be immersed in Jesus. There are some ideas that might be helpful for you. Immersing myself in Christ. Well, the fourth way to be a great model for your kids and to everyone is to remember who gives you all your blessings. Remember who gives you all your blessings. Now, it's so easy for us today to take things for granted. It just kind of happens. You know, we have so much in our lives that we kind of assume that we deserve all of our stuff, our friendships, our opportunities. And before we know it, we lose our perspective and gratitude towards the one who gives us every blessing. Because isn't that just what life is? We should have all this stuff. It was no different thousands of years ago when this was written. We pick it up at verse 10 in Deuteronomy 6. He says, the Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember, this was the 40 years later. He says, I'm going to give you the land. We're going. He says, it's the land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods that you did not produce. And you will draw water from cisterns that you did not dig. And you will eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. Well, when you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. God is saying, remember this isn't just lucky circumstance or just, you know, kind of chance happening that's here. It's not something you earned or deserve. It's God's blessing by design. So remember that and be thankful and model that thankfulness. Now, I spoke two weeks ago, the Artichoke Week, and about trying to teach my kids the importance of being thankful. And, and here's the same principle all over again. Now, two weeks ago, I was, I was all upset about trying to get my kids to be more thankful and how God showed me that I needed to have a more thankful heart. And God really started working on me even more in that area. Well, yesterday, my wife and I took our family down the hill to enjoy an outdoor Christian music festival, a concert put on by Fish Radio, the family Fish Family Fest and stuff like that. It was hot yesterday up here. What do you think it was like down there? We knew it. It said, hey, after NU graduation, let's go for it. So it was, when we left at 720, it was 109 at 720 in the evening. And we were there for about six hours, and it was memorable. Okay, five kids, 5, 8, 10, 11, 13. Um, 
but the music was a ball, and the kids had a great time, and the fire truck spraying water out in big streams nonstop was a huge hit, huge blessing. And you know what was nice? At the end of a very long, hot day as I drove back, saying, you know what, that was tough, but that was good. I'm glad we did that. <laughs> we stopped for dinner on the way home, which for a family of seven is rare. First of all, the hassle of taking that many kids out, but just the expense of taking that many kids out. You know what I mean? It's just kind of the way that it is. And you know what was nice? As we went to bed exhausted, my kids, several of my kids just thanked me and my wife Debbie for the day, for the fun and for the food out even. Dad, thanks so much for taking us today. And thanks even for dinner. And I thought, gosh, this is, this is great, Lord. If they're picking up even a tiny bit of this from me, thank you. I want to keep modeling it because it felt so like, God, is this how you feel when I'm thankful to you? And I start developing a thankful heart to the Lord, and then my kids see that, and they start not just hearing about it, but seeing, and they start developing it, and it's a, it's a feel-good thing, but it's a, it's a legitimate thing. It's an important thing. It was sweet. The adventurous day that ended in thanks. And I want to end my days in thanks with the Lord. We can model authentic faith to our kids and to everybody around us by following all of God's commands, and that's tied to loving God with our all, by walking in him all the time, by immersing ourselves in Jesus, and by remembering who gives us all of our blessings. Our kids and everybody around us, they will be different as a result of the way we live our lives and the choices we make. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning and and the chance we have to spend some time in this Old Testament law book that actually speaks your heart. And and God, I pray that you would not just nudge us this morning, but nudge us hard, (laughs) Lord, to understand the importance of of obedience. It's tied to a loving uh, immersion in you, God, Uh, a love of our, uh, our giving our all to you that leads to transformation, life change, and obedience. Lord, that allows us to immerse ourselves in you and, and that shows itself in thankfulness, God. We want to be different so that our kids are different, so that our, the people in our family are different and our friends and those around us, Lord. Not from our own power, but through the power of your Holy Spirit. Change us, Lord God, in Jesus' name, amen.